I want to share with you this morning from Genesis chapter 16, an unusual story about one of the lesser characters of the Bible, but no less powerful truth about God and his uh, power in their, in their story. You know, the Bible has a way of affirming and loving the people that oftentimes got overlooked in the Bible. You see this kind of characteristic a lot, especially as you read uh, the New Testament. You see this Jesus going to the people who were uh, marginalized or overlooked and people often pass by and he would be the one to try to bring attention to their situation. And even if nobody else saw them, he would try to tell them, I see you. I know what you're going through. I understand you. And that's the story we're going to read today is about a young woman whose name was Hagar. And Hagar was in an unusual situation in a situation that really, I would have to say, was probably not her fault. It was probably not a situation that she wanted to be in, but it was a situation she was in nonetheless. I don't think any of us choose trouble voluntarily, right? Trouble just seems to find us. And I think this is the same situation that we see in the life of Hagar. And the Bible tells the story in Genesis chapter 16. It falls in the life and the story of uh, Sarai or, uh, and Abraham. And Sarai and Abraham had this, or Abram at the time, had the story that they were called to leave and go to a land that they did not know they were going. But yet they, in their obedience and faith in God, they left and went, trusting God was going to make a way up ahead, not knowing what might come along the way. But it had been put in their heart that they wanted a child and they could not see the child coming in the promise. They could not find how God would tell them that their descendants were going to be as many as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. But yet they could not see their child because they didn't have any children. And so Sarai or Sarah in her disobedience insisted that Hagar be the surrogate mother of their child. And so the story goes on that she would ultimately, Hagar would bear a child and or have, bear a child and his name would be Ishmael. But Sarah never really could work it out in her heart that God blessed her with a child, but wouldn't bless her with a child. And so she was troubled and she was troubled with Hagar so much so that the Bible says in Genesis 16 that she dealt harshly with her and ran her away, really, if you will. And she fled from her, the Bible says, and Hagar went running into the wilderness. Now, you have to keep in mind that uh, they've, they've left a land that they knew, and they're in a land that they don't know. And they're still constantly finding new land, right? They're coming upon places that they've never been before. But here is Hagar, and I don't know that she necessarily knew where she was going. She just took off running. I've got to get out of this situation. But God would come alongside of Hagar in a special way, and that's what I want to read to you today. In Genesis 16 and verse 7, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness and the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. 
And the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And he shall be a wild donkey of a man and his hand against everyone and everybody's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. And so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And therefore she went on to name that well in the same, same meaning as well. What a powerful story here that here is Hagar in a troubled situation and she runs away in her distress and she finds a place that she's never been before and here she is in the wilderness. Let's talk about the wilderness for a few minutes before we get into this. I don't know if you have any of you have ever visited a desert or if you've ever been in a place where it's kind of desolate before, uh, but it's not really a fun place to stay in. It's nice to drive through and see. I remember when we took our journey from uh, driving across country a couple times and we had to drive through the desert and, uh, you know, it was like the heat, our AC couldn't keep up with the heat that was just coming through as we drove through the desert getting close to California. But it is beautiful to see, but it's not somewhere I think I'd want to live. Wilderness has come in all of our lives, right? It's that season where things get challenging. It's in the wilderness where you really discover if you've got any water or not. In other words, you discover if there's life there. You discover if you're going to have the strength and the stamina to make it. Sometimes wildernesses give us an image, a false image of what's around us, right? You've heard of a mirage. And a lot of times when we get into wilderness, things appear a certain way that they really not are. And certainly in the, in, the, in the way that we're living in our world right now, we're living in a type of wilderness. We're living in a situation where uh, people are just all over the place, feeling all over the place, feeling affected in so many different ways. People feeling isolated, discouraged, and, and down, and just kind of struggling through this season of life. And I would venture to say that many of the, us are kind of feeling, in a sense, the heart of Hagar that is felt kind of abandoned and felt uh, dis, disheartened, in a sense. Hagar's story went a little further because here she was with a family that she had learned to live with and that was really probably, in essence, family to her. But now she felt betrayed and her back was, or their back had been turned on her. And so now here's Hagar in the wilderness, feeling that sense of isolation, feeling that sense of loneliness and despair that is so easy to come to anybody who lets it come. But the Bible shows us a powerful principle here is that when Hagar realized that the angel of the Lord attended to her, when the angel of the Lord showed up in Hagar's situation, when the angel of the Lord came and helped her, she said, after this thing and talking about her son, and after this encounter, she looked up back to the Lord and says, you are the God of seeing. You are the God who sees. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the God who sees. The God who sees. A lot of times we live in our lives as if though God does not see everything that goes on in our lives, as though he is ignorant to what might be happening in our situation. 
But I want to be a reminder to you today that God is a God who sees, that sees all and knows all. His eyesight is all over the earth, and he is able in his power to see our situation. Both times, it's amazing to me that Hagar, though it's unlikely and, un, and it's unseemly, she found God in the wilderness. Later on, she'll go in Genesis 21, and ultimately when she would go back, she would patch things up a little bit, but then she would be sent on her way to start her own life. And the Bible says that they were in this wilderness once again in Genesis 21, and the Bible says that as she was carrying her child, she got out to the point, and the child began to cry. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord heard the cry of the child and came and helped. And it was proof once again because the Bible said that you are to name his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. It was showing once again he's not only the God who sees, but he's the God who hears our plea. And this is what Hagar discovered, is that God was able to see her situation. He saw her in the wilderness the first time. He saw her in the wilderness the second time. And he saw her all the days ahead of her. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this, I, the view of God for a few moments. How God sees us. How God looks at us. Isn't it encouraging to know that you have a Father in heaven who looks at you and he looks at what he created at the beginning as he looked at putting all the bringing the dust of the ground and breathing life in it. God was well pleased. He was pleased with what he had created until sin had crept in and destroyed it. God loves what he sees. He doesn't love sin, obviously, but he loves his creation. He loves his people. He loves his church. And he looks at them with great delight. And so I want to show you a few things here about how God sees us. Number one, God sees us where we are. God sees us where we are. Kind of like Hagar in the wilderness, we didn't, she didn't really understand that in the wilderness, when, uh, until the angel of the Lord showed up, that she could be seen exactly where she was at. Maybe she thought that God would show up at some point. Maybe she didn't know God was going to show up at all. But God saw her exactly where she was. I love how the Bible says when Jesus, that he was moving about and doing miracles and signs and wonders, and a crowd had attracted to him. And he was beginning to move on to the next town, and he saw many people. And the Bible says as he was getting ready, the next miracle that would happen with feeding them a multitude with food, is the Bible says that as he saw the people, he was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When the Lord sees us in our situation of despair, when the Lord sees us in our situation of destitute, when he sees us and we don't know what to do or where to go, he looks at us with compassion. He looks at us with an eye that says, I want to help you if you'll let me. I want to come and guide you. I want to come and be the shepherd that you need to be. I want to be the one that can show you how much I really love you if you will let me. God sees us exactly where we are. And you know, even in the middle of a pandemic, people that feel isolated and abandoned and alone. And, and you know, I was talking with someone recently, and we may not feel it as much here, 
because we're back in person to an extent, but there are many other places around the world that are still not opened up, that are still being quarantined in their homes for going on uh, in seven, eight months now. And the effect that that has on the mind, oh, we, we just really, that, that is just devastating. It can really make you feel abandoned. It can really make you feel cut off, right? And, but it's in this season right now that I want to encourage you and, and remind you, as I so was reminded of as reading over this this week, is that even in the middle of a pandemic, a wilderness, if you will, God sees us where we are. Even if we're quarantined at home, even if we're having to navigate through life differently and feeling alone, or maybe this pandemic, or maybe just because life, you have troubles going on in your life, and you're thinking, how in the world is God going to help me in this situation? I want to encourage you today that God sees you where you are. He sees us exactly where we are. Even when it doesn't feel like he's there, even when it doesn't feel like he's present. I'm sure Hagar was walking around in the wilderness and wondering, where's the fruit? Where's the grass? Where's the water? Where's the life that I need? It felt dry. It felt isolated. It felt lonely. But yet she was reminded in that season that God saw her where she was. I love how Hagar, in essence, she took her affliction. She took what she was experiencing and she made it a declaration of who God is, that you're the God who sees. You came in my wilderness and I'm going to declare you're the God who sees. This is a kind of encouragement that sometimes you have to just encourage yourself in the Lord. Like David said, I make myself happy. Sometimes in the seasons of wilderness and isolation and, and loneliness, you've got to take God's word. And when you don't have anybody to encourage you, when you don't feel like God's there to encourage you, sometimes you just got to encourage yourself and be reminded that God sees you where you are. Have you ever had to do that before? I know there's been some wildernesses in my life where I've had to go through and remind myself of the promises of God to my life and remind me that even though it feels empty and even though it feels lonely, that's just a feeling, but that's not the fact about who God is. Oftentimes I've made this habit of writing down verses or writing down quotes, places where I'll see them that will come across my mind that if I ever start feeling a certain way that I won't let my feelings deter my faith, but I'll allow my faith to speak into my situation and say, you are the God who sees. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm just going to trust you in the wilderness. You're going to make a way. God sees us where we are. I also love, and you see through the Bible, and you see in the story of Hagar, as the, the Bible shows, the angel of the Lord showed up and began to speak promises about Ishmael and who he was going to become and where they were going to be and how his offspring was going to be, that the Bible teaches us not only does God see us where we are, but God sees us where we need to be. And this is one I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful that God can see where I need to be because I have noticed in my own life and probably you've noticed in your own life, that's one thing I have a big blind spot on is I can't see where I need to be. But God is so, great, is so gracious to us in helping us get to where we need to be. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 139, and I love this verse here. The Bible says that your eyes, they saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that amazing that God sees us where we need to be? Before we were even brought into the world, God saw us where we needed to be. God saw who he wanted us to be, the potential of who we could be as a child of God. 
The, the word that you see here when, when Hagar looked back to the Lord and said, you are a God of seeing. In Hebrew, it's El Roi. El Roi. And it's amazing that here is Hagar, a, a, a servant, someone who was overlooked and was almost basically kicked out of the house. And she was the one who would make a declaration about a name of God in the middle of all of this that many others had not yet made or would make. She would name him El Roi. And I loved how the Bible goes on in this Hebrew word. It means seeing. It means appearance. It means looking. But it can also mean in Hebrew, uh, it's a shepherd. It's very close to the word in Hebrew of shepherd, the, the actual literal word. And it was reminded of all the promises of God in the Bible about him being our shepherd. That he's the God who sees us where we need to be. That's what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd will take their flock of sheep and take them from one pasture and move them to the next pasture. He guides them in the path they need to take. The psalmist and David would say it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. He would make the same declaration. And then Jesus would show up and says, I am the good shepherd. Ultimately, what he was trying to show the people, and as we see through the Bible, is that God is our great shepherd. And Peter called him this way. He's the bishop or he's the chief shepherd of our souls. That he wants to guide our souls where we need to be. He wants to guide us to the place in life that he so sees that is full of life and pasture and that will bring us health and abundance. Look, a shepherd is not going to lead their sheep in harm. He's going to lead them away from harm. And ultimately, he's going to lead them to a place that has a life for their souls. But sometimes in order to do that, you've got to pass through a wilderness to get to a pasture with greener grass. And this is the, this is the story of the Bible, is God being the great shepherd who would lead his people from one pasture to the next pasture because he's the God who sees us where we need to be. He's not just content to let us stay in the same grass, eat from the grass that slowly dies and disappears when it gets dry there, it gets dead and water, there's no water in the land. He wants us to be in the place where we will grow. He wants us to be in the fullness of all we're supposed to be. So therefore, he is the shepherd who will take us from that place of emptiness that becomes empty, that maybe it had life at one time and brings us to into another season with even greater life. Because he desires the best for our souls. He is our faithful shepherd. I love this example of hearing God as a shepherd. It's not something we understand really. It's hard for us to get our minds around because we don't have many shepherds today. We don't live in a culture of shepherds maybe like the Hebrews did. But he is a shepherd. And the thing about a shepherd is a shepherd is a tentative a shepherd is very cautious. A shepherd, something that is notable about a shepherd is a shepherd is always watching. You know that? A shepherd is always watching, right? The shepherd is not so much concerned about what's happening right here. He's looking way over there. He's watching. Is there danger coming? David said it this way as he was watching sheep. He said, I fought lions. I fought bears. They tried to come after them. And it shows us the lifestyle of a shepherd, that a shepherd is looking far away. He's seen way up ahead. He's seen danger before we even have a hint of it coming near us. He's looking and saying, 
right now, there hasn't been any rain for some time. I need to, we got to move on. But in order to do that, we've got to do it safely. And Jesus would go on to teach the parable of the, of the, the lost sheep, right? That he would make it all of the, the effort to go after one sheep would leave the 99 and go after the one. And it teaches us this principle about God, that God is concerned about each and every sheep. Yes, he loves the flock, but he loves the sheep that make up the flock. He is concerned and he sees. And I want to remind you today that he is the God who sees where we need to be. And he's so much willing to see where we need to be that sometimes that in order to get to the place that we need to be, it requires a journey that we don't want to take, but it's necessary for our lives. He is faithful to guide us through the shepherds or through the pastures. God sees us where we are. God sees us where we need to be. And finally, I want to show you this is that God sees what we are. God sees what we are. As the Bible teaches us about Hagar, God would look into Hagar's life and would see that she was afflicted. She was probably crying. She was lonely, especially as she would walk into the wilderness with a baby that is crying. The mothers, you understand this, that there's nothing worse when you feel like you have no way to provide for your child. And I'm sure she felt an overwhelming amount of emotion that said, I have a child in my arms and how in the world am I going to take care of this child? But God saw what she was. God saw her heart in this. I was reminded of the story in Mark chapter 12, a little passage of scripture there that teaches about this woman who she, the Bible, all these people were putting in money in the offering plate. But here come this woman, the Bible says that she was a certain poor widow and she took in two mites or two coins and threw it in. The Bible says that he called unto his disciples to him and he says, this poor widow has cast in more than all of them that have cast into the treasury for they cast in of their abundance, but she cast in, uh, cast in of all of what she had, even all her living. You know, there's something about being in the wilderness that takes everything out of you. You give it all. You don't go into the wilderness and just, just wanting to give a little bit of you. A wilderness demands all of you. If you're going to survive in the wilderness, it requires more of you sometimes than what you're willing to give. And just like Jesus admonished this woman who she only gave in all, a little bit that she have, but she, he admonished them in front of all of the people and says, this woman has given in the most. She took a little bit that she had. Because God sees what we are. God is always looking at our heart, not at our actions. And I want to remind you today is just like this woman, she took in just the little bit that she had. That if you'll take the little bit that you have in the wilderness, and you'll trust it to God. God sees it. God knows it. God understands it. And God hears it. God sees you exactly where you need to be. He sees us where we are. He sees where we need to be, and he sees what we are. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God who sees? He's got millions of people to look after, but he sees you and I. He's got problems going on that we could never wrap our minds around, but yet he sees you and I. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 121. He says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber, for the Lord watches over you 
and the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. How encouraging is that scripture right there that some of us might need to be reminded of today is that he will watch over your life. It's when you're feeling isolated, you're feeling alone, you're feeling discouraged in a season that he is the Lord who watches over your life. Not just now, not just the past, but the future up ahead. He is the God who watches over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. What a promise in God's word that we ought to take to him and be reminded in the wilderness that you might have to encourage yourself with and say, Lord, in this season, I might feel like Hagar in this season. I'm overlooked. I feel like I'm mistreated. I feel like I'm not seen by people. I feel like I've been abandoned. But be reminded today, he's the God who sees you. It doesn't matter if anybody else sees you. God sees you. God, God values you. God is, is loving you. He's a God of seeing. I'm going to ask the musicians to come today. I thought this morning, what a perfect way to be reminded today to, to bring this all together with the story of someone who knew what it was all about, just like Hagar, who knew what it was all about to be overlooked, to not only be overlooked, but to be mistreated, and not only be mistreated, but to be betrayed, and not only be betrayed, but to be absolutely broken. And in his brokenness and in his mistreatment and in his abandonment, he was able to realize likewise that he is the God who sees. That he is the God who looks into my situation and sees everything that goes on. He not only sees where I'm at, but he sees what I need to be. And I want to remind you today is that God has a purpose and plan for every life here today. No life is without value. No life is without precious in the sight of the Lord. No, God values every life and every life is so precious to him. Why do you think God would go after great lengths to chase down one sheep, to chase down one coin, to chase down one son? Because he was trying to prove that he loves every person and he will go to whatever length possible to make sure that we understand his love. And this gentleman in the Bible that I'm talking to you about, he was, I want you to hear his story for a minute because this, I find that his story is often relatable to many of us today. He was abandoned by his family. Not only that, but he could never really get a foothold in life. And not only that, but he was running for his life. He was constantly in danger. And not only that, but he was supposed to be somewhere that he wasn't welcome. But yet he would record a verse, a passage of scripture that talks about the God who sees. That God sees exactly where I am, God sees where I was, and God sees where I was need to be. And he would say to the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
Listen, if the Lord is going to make us lie down in green pastures, sometimes that means we've got to trust him to get there. And sometimes getting there is never easy. He leads me beside still waters. Waters don't just appear. It takes a journey to get there. And sometimes the journey isn't easy. And he restores my soul. If David could write about the God who restores my soul, then that must mean that he knows something about what it's like to have an empty soul, what it's like to be poured out, to go through life and absolutely feel just depleted. And if he could say to God, you're the God who restores my soul. You're the God who makes me lie down in green pastures. You're the God who leads me beside still waters. This is the testimony of a man who endured great trouble in his life, but ultimately learned and realized that God is the one who restores our soul, who sees us and sees where we need to be. So he would go on to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not for my name. It's not for my glory. It's for his name's sake. And you know what? Even though I'm going to walk through this valley And even though I'm going to endure this pain and this loneliness and this isolation that I feel, this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Come on, that takes a lot of faith for somebody who is walking through a valley of shadow of death to say to the God who sees, I know you're with me. I know right now you're with me. You're, you're fighting through me. Though they chase after me, they're running after to kill me. I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's because he's the great shepherd. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Man, what kind of depleted person says that? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, but yet you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows I love that verse that David could realize that he's been running through his life he's got to a point where he's empty he's all poured out but yet he says you're the shepherd you see me you restore my soul and not only that but you anoint my head with oil and now my cup's overflowing I'm able to share the goodness of what God has done to me I'm able to let it overflow into others And he would say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. We we sing it. We we, we read it often. We, We memorize it. But there's something about realizing the story behind it. That David was a man who went through it of pain and trouble and difficulties and, and being cut off and being abandoned and being abused and mistreated, but yet he could record this psalm that says, though they harm me and though they come against me, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. He anoints my head with oil. Surely he allows goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life. Ultimately, what I want you to see today is that it didn't matter what David was experiencing. Yes, it was painful. Yes, it was troubling. Was that he realized that in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of passing through one pasture and going through the valley to the next pasture, is that he discovered the God who sees him in 
the middle of what he's going through. That he discovered that God is more than able to help me, to deliver me, to bring me through. If we'll just turn our eyes to the Lord and realize that he is the God who sees. We will be surrounded with the promise that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It doesn't matter what anybody says or how they push me or where they toss me. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He sees you. He sees you today. My friend, you're struggling, you're battling, you're watching online. He sees you today. He knows what you're dealing with. Nobody else may know. Listen, that's the thing. Nobody else knows our struggles. Sometimes we never tell them to people. Nobody ever knows. Sometimes we, we go, we press on through it with a smile. But God sees you. And God knows what you're dealing with. And God is right there, attentive to the cry. I love how Hagar discovered he's not just the God who sees, but he's the God who hears. He's listening, and he'll go to whatever lengths he has to to let you know he loves you. As a matter of fact, he did so much so by sending his only son to a cross for you and I to just prove the fact that he's the God who sees. God, in all his justness, he could have stayed there seated on the throne and never done anything about it because we brought the evil upon us. But he's the God who sees. And because he saw us and because he loved us, he said, I'm not going to leave them abandoned and alone to their own devices. I'm going to send my son. He's going to make things right. So he died on a cross for you and I because he's the God who sees. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to be an encourager to you today. As someone came along in my times when I felt like nobody saw, nobody cared, nobody understood, I want to encourage you today. There's a God who sees you this morning. He sees you. He loves you. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe you're gathered here today and you're feeling this way this morning. You're gathering online. You've come in with some need and you're wondering about it this morning. Would you just entrust it to the Lord today? To just give it to him this morning. God, you're the God who sees today. You look at us, Father, right where we are, Lord, and you know exactly where we need to be. God, a lot of times we're not comfortable with where we are. We want to get out of trouble. But Lord, I'm thankful that you see the path that we need to take. It's the path of righteousness sake. It's the path that's leading us to still waters. It's the path that's leading us to green pastures. And so, Lord, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord, for your rod and your staff. They're going to comfort me. They're going to protect me. They're going to watch over me. And you're going to take me exactly to where I need to be. And Lord, though I feel distressed in my soul and though I feel overwhelmed by the worries and cares of life and though I feel there's no way out, you're the God who sees today. And I'm going to call upon your name today because you're also the God who hears. So Lord, would you hear the cry of the afflicted today? Would you put your ear to them this morning and see them where they are today, Lord? Father, we bring all of our needs and our requests to you this morning. We surrender them to you, Lord. Maybe some feel abandoned. They've never given their life to you, Lord. 
They're wondering why all this trouble in their life. May they see today that you are the God who saw them so much so that you sent their, your son for them. So Lord, I thank you today. The God who loves, the God who cares, the God who's inviting us into his presence to be healed, to be restored, to anoint our head with oil so that our cup overflows. I thank you today. Lord, we come into your presence this morning. God, what needs to be done for the person who feels maybe this way today is not a work of human nature. It's your work today. So Lord, this morning, I wanna invite the Holy Spirit to come, to heal, to restore, to bring life today. I pray a fresh joy would come. Lord, I pray those who are dealing with pain that you would give them joy, Lord. Find the joy that is only found in you, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring a great comfort from the presence of God in their life. I pray that the anointing of the Lord would be upon them. I pray, Lord, that they would sing songs of joy once again, Lord. I pray, God, that they would read your word once again, Lord. I pray, God, you'd give them the energy to lift up their hands and worship you once again, Father. God, I pray for healing this morning. I pray for a recovery today. You're the God who sees this morning. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you see us this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you love us today. Oh, how he loves us today. And nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Oh, no height, no depth, no breath. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus today. Oh, you're the great shepherd today. Would you lead us this morning, Lord? Lord, lead the lives here that are calling to you this morning. Lead them where they need to be, Father. Guide them to life everlasting, that they may dwell in the presence of the Lord forevermore. Come on, if that's you today, would you just call to the Lord? Maybe you need a kneel. Maybe you need to lift up a hand this morning. You're watching online. Just stop where you're at. Turn off the distractions and call to the Lord this morning. I promise you, he's the God who sees today. He's the God who sees. As the choir sings, can we lift up our voices to the Lord? Call upon him today. Kneel where you're at. Call to the Lord today. We trust you, Jesus.